For those of you joining us live on Facebook, we welcome you. Tonight's goal is not to cure your insomnia if you're watching at home, right guys? We want you to feel alive when we, see, when we talk about this tonight. I'm going to go over, um, I'm not necessarily um, directly correlating this message to Sunday, but I thought it'd be cool if we didn't let the resurrection stop on Easter Sunday. How's that sound? Does that sound cool? Uh, I, I feel like Easter is a message for every Sunday. I feel like every Sunday and Wednesday should be, I feel like every day should be Resurrection Sunday. And I think that just getting excited uh, one day a year about the resurrection of Jesus is, doesn't even begin to do it justice. And so I'm going to talk tonight about the power of the resurrection and what it means. There's two parts, if you will, to what we, what we observe on Friday and then on Sunday. We don't normally have a good Friday service. So we kind of observe them both on our Sunday morning service. But we, 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 we together, we remember the death and the burial of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus. And then we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And those two elements, those two happenings, those two events in that time period were both significant, but for different reasons. Does that make sense? For different reasons. The, in order to be resurrected, he had to have been dead and crucified the way that, that, that uh, the prophets said he would be. And how many of you know that in order uh, to have been uh, dead and now alive, he has to resurrect? Simple, right? We're going to start there for a moment. And, but these two elements needed each other in order for them both to be able to happen. He had to die in order to be resurrected. But something happened in the resurrection. Well, there's a lot that happened in the resurrection. But something happened in the resurrection that's different than what happened than on just the cross when he died. And so we're going to kind of dive into that as soon as I bring this up because I've got Sundays up. There it is. And we're going to focus on one main scripture that's found in Romans 4.25. We're going to go there in the New American Standard Bible together. You can go there for me, my friend, because I forgot my clicker. Is at home? I'm a bad, bad pastor. You can get fired for forgetting your clicker when you're a pastor, modern day pastor. All right, here we go. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. I want to talk about what it means uh, that he was raised because of our justification tonight in this, this resurrection part of the story. I... I I, I have been so energized in the last week or two, although it's been a lot of work and I'm physically tired, I'm so energized spiritually, the more and more I've feasted on what happened in those three days. Like, the more I feast on it, the more I read about it, the more I read the, the, the prophets and what they said would happen, the more I read what actually happened, and the more I read of what the disciples and Paul and the writers said after the fact, the more excited I get about this moment in history that we seem to only really get excited about one day a year. And, and I, I read the scripture and I thought, man, the idea that he was raised because of our justification, I'm going to break down what that means for you and I today, but just got me so fired up because it, it's ultimately justification that a lot of people are using religion to try to attain. Religion has been used as a tool in order for us to feel justified. But G, the Bible says that he, we were justified, justified and then he was raised. 
The justification took place as, as Jesus, through his blood and death, satisfied satisfied the, the need or the desire of, of God to punish man. Jesus' blood and his sacrifice on the cross satisfied God. And there was a moment, I, I don't know, you know when it was or where it was, but there was a moment where if you read this, and we're going to dive into this in a bunch of different versions so you can see the full picture. I'm going to give you some Greek and, and all that. I want, I want you to see that. But, but there's a moment where, where Jesus is dead and he's in the tomb. And I don't know what God was doing. I don't know if he was counting the drops of blood. I don't know what he was doing if he was, if he was tallying up all of your sin and my sin and mistake and regrets and shame. But there's a moment where he had taken the, the fullness of what man owed and he compared it to the sacrifice and the payment of Jesus. And in that moment, he said, man is justified from now on. And that's when he spoke resurrection life and his son came to life. See, we weren't justified because he was raised. We were justified then he was raised. Do you hear me? There's a story uh, that somebody told uh, recently, and they said, they said, if you were in a foreign country and you didn't know the laws and you broke a law and, um, and you were caught by their government, they said, you broke this law. And you said, I didn't realize I broke the law. And they said, well, you did. And it's three months. It's three months in prison for you. Some of y'all, it's going to hit too close to home, but all right, we're just going to go there anyways. Um, I said, there's a three months prison sentence, and, and, and you owe this. But they said to you, if you can find somebody to take your place, if you can find somebody to take your place, um, and they'll serve the three-month sentence, then they can pay the debt for you. The only way, the reason the resurrection was so important, is the only way to know that your, your debt had been paid is when that person that went and took your three-month sentence, when they were roaming free again. See, see, the moment that your debt had been paid, your time had been served by that person that took your crime upon their own back. And the warden called down and said, okay, it's been satisfied. Then they set him free. And the only way that you and I know that our debt has been paid and we never have to go back we never have to go pay anything. We're not on probation. It's done. It's taken care of. Is because we see that the guy who went and paid our debt is free and alive. Yeah. See, the resurrection became a down payment, not just a down payment, but a full payment, and it has now become the receipt, the divine receipt and living testimony that you were justified and the payment was paid in full. We are walking around. The resur we celebrate the resurrection not because of what it, did, it's what it reminds us of. Are you with me? Because the blood did it all. When Jesus on the cross says, it is finished, it is finished. But when he rose again, he rose in power, and with it came the power that's living inside of you and I. See, our sin was justified through his sacrifice, but when he rose again, it became the reminder that we are powerful and we will never be held down again because of sin and mistake. It's the ultimate receipt. It's the ultimate 
testimony that lives, that he is alive and your debt has been paid. And what ticks me off more than anything else is when we get up and we tell believers, we tell Christians that are doing their best to live for God, that they somehow owe more. It just gets me so fired up. There's so much theology out there that is teaching that we somehow can, can get more out of God if we just behave ourselves. So then we end up trying our best to behave ourselves, not because we love God or not because we're responding to what he's done, but we're trying to do it because we're hoping that he'll accept us more. We're hoping that he'll see us as justified. We're hoping he'll see us as righteous. We're hoping that he'll see us as holy. We're hoping that we'll feel close to him. We're hoping that we won't feel dirty anymore or whatever else. I got news for you. What he did and when he said it, it was finished, it was finished and it was done. And there's no more. Do you and I have a reason to feel regret? Do we have a reason to feel shame? Do we have a reason to wonder, you know, if things would have turned out differently had we made different choices in life? Yeah, it's only human to think about those things. But what you have to know is that the consequences for that between you and God have been taken care of. Done. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to, can I paint this for you for a moment? Is, has, did Jesus rise? Now, it's funny because uh, I'm not one to like get on people um, that are out there that are big shots because I just think it's bad taste. I'd rather say what we're for than what we're against. I'd rather put out there. But recently, a worship leader that's been, become very famous, um, he put out a statement and he basically said something to the effect of that, um, you know, today Jesus rose from the dead and he said something like, well, at least metaphorically, is what he tweeted out. Like, it's a metaphor. It didn't actually happen. And so some other friends of mine, one being Sean Foyt, who has a big mouth like me, he screenshot it and Instagrammed it. <laughs> and basically was like, uh-uh, bruh, I love you, but he really did rise, and we cannot, like, we can't open this can of worms. He really did rise, and he really is alive. And it blew up across the Twitter sphere, whatever they call it, and Instagram and everything, of people weighing in on this saying, no, like if we, if we decide that he didn't rise, then we actually don't have the receipt and the testimony of what I'm talking about tonight. Amen? Actually, in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, which is not up there, so don't try to find it, it says, and if Christ had not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Like, if he's not walking around, then we don't really have the proof that the final payment for our sin has been taken care of. Does that make sense? So he didn't metaphorically rise, all right? He actually rose from the dead. I've seen the tomb myself, all right? Does that sound all right with you? So I want you to see this for a moment. So if, if Jesus is indeed risen, that his permanent eternal state is that he's risen. Can you go there with me? Uh, it's the next thing. So you are now justified in the risen state of Jesus. Okay, so if the state of Jesus is that he's risen and that the only way he could rise is if you and I were justified, which is what I just read in Romans. That was the progression. He died, he paid the sin, God totaled it all up. He said, okay, mankind has been justified. Boom, Jesus pops out of the grave. You see that picture? So if Jesus is risen, then that means we live in that eternal state of being justified. Go to the next scripture or go to the next thing. 
And if the risen state of Jesus is eternal, go to the next one, you cannot lose your state of righteousness and justification because you are in the risen Jesus. Now let me explain this to you, okay? If he is eternal and he is eternally risen and he stays in that state of being risen and alive, in other words, he's like, I think I'm gonna go back in the tomb and go back to being dead, which I don't think is gonna happen. Then, and you were justified only when he was, or he was risen only when you had been justified, then that means when you receive Jesus, you receive the eternal state of justification and righteousness. Are you with me? That's what it says in Romans. Some of you are looking at me like I lost my mind. It, that, go back to the scripture before, Romans 4.25. Just go back one. Is it up there? Okay. So, so right up there, because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification, that because of in the Greek actually means on account of. So let me read that to you. It says, he was delivered over on account of our transgressions. Transgressions is a fancy word for sin of times where we've broke the law. And he was raised on account of us being justified. All right, I've got half of you. We're, we're getting closer to the, I want the whole enchilada. I'm not gonna be happy. All right, keep going, go forward, pass this. Yep, to this one right here. This is the same scripture, young literal translation right here. Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up because of our being declared righteous. That's the title of my sermon, Stephen. Stephen, it's the title of my sermon. Don't text me tomorrow asking me the title of my sermon. It's declared righteous. That's the title of my sermon, Stephen. Does he hear me back there? All right, good. Declared righteous. So he was raised up because of our being declared righteous. Now, I'm only hypothesizing here for a moment because I don't know exactly how it happened. But I want you to picture this in heaven. God's only son dies. Remember, God is justice. He set the world's axis on justice. If justice doesn't exist, we would have chaos and our whole world would fall apart. Like literally. Like gravity is a force of justice. Everything is set on the axis of justice. Things weighing, equal pressures, all of these ideas, justice. Okay? So I want you to see the justice scales of heaven. You have this enormous weight of all of this, the disgusting sin of humanity throughout history. Think of all of the evil acts, the terrible, hideous things that have been done to people. Not just in the name of God, but just people, period. And it's weighing down on the scales of justice over here. And as Jesus' blood begins to pour out, it begins to tilt the scales of justice. And there's a moment where his sacrifice begins to outweigh not just the sins of the past, but the sins of the past, the sins of now, the sins of tomorrow, the sins of all mankind forever and ever have been equaled up and totaled up and piled up over here. And as the, as the, as the blood of Jesus drips down, the, 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 the new covenant is beginning to form between God and man. 
this, this, this weight, if you will, this, this payment is being totaled up. And there's a moment in time where the scales don't just reach even, but the side that has the blood of Jesus begins to tip in that direction. And in that moment, I can picture this just through the spirit, focus on, with me for a moment. In that moment in heaven, Father God reaches out his arms and he spreads it over the earth and he says, I have declared you righteous. Righteous! Righteous! As he swings his hands over the earth. He looks back at the scales. Righteous! And with the sound of his voice reverberating through the earth. Listen to me. The ground begins to shake. Come on. The veil of the temple is torn. The separation between man and God is taken away. And in that moment, the stone begins to roll away. Come on. And Jesus Christ, the living God, the Son of God, comes out and he is alive. And he becomes the receipt of the testimony that we have been forgiven and justified. Do you see that picture? God screaming, justified. He has declared you justified. Amen. And then the stone begins to move. I could just run around on that. Yeah. Come on, you want to know why I'm so eked out tonight? I'm telling you, there is something about the, the idea that God declares over humanity that we are justified. And that, and that sound is what begins to shake the earth and move that stone rolled away. Can you imagine that Mary and, 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 and those that came rushing to the tomb that, 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 be, be, that found that tomb empty? Can you imagine them rushing to the tomb that day? And earlier that day, they were living their lives as Jews, hoping that one day God would receive them and accept them. And when they approached that tomb, they didn't realize as something had happened in the heavens that affected the earth and the righteousness of God had fallen upon mankind and in that moment they didn't approach the tomb as uh, you know a bunch of sin and this and that and the other they approached it as the righteousness of God justified by a risen savior that's good preaching Dan that's good preaching <laughs> go to the amplified version of this scripture yeah, we said that. We said that. Thank you. Check this out. He who was betrayed and crucified because of our sins and was, same scripture, just different version, was raised from the dead because of our justification, our acquittal absolving us of all sin before God. There was a moment in heaven where you and I were acquitted. You weren't even alive. You hadn't even thought about all the crazy things you were going to do in your life. Neither did I. He had acquitted us. He absolved us of all sin and mistake in that moment. And then the stone began to roll away. He declared us righteous and acquitted us and absolved us. And then the stone began to roll away. Now here, here's, here's, the, here's the trick tonight, guys. It's, it's early, isn't it? 7.57? Oh my gosh, I should make you pay double to get out of here this early. Oh, Stephen texted me something snide, I'm sure. Wait.
What's the title of your sermon? <laughs> Second text, what's the title of your sermon? Third text, what's the title of your sermon? We're at watch this. Quotation for title, you are fired. Quotation. <laughs> well, the joke's on me if he actually puts that up there on the internet. All right? <laughs> Two thumbs up. All right, this is going great. Okay. C.S. Lewis wrote this. I want to end with this if we can. The New Testament writers speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first event of its kind in the whole history of the universe. He is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door. Y'all remember that from Sunday? That has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he's done so. This is the beginning of the new creation. A new chapter in cosmic history has been opened. He has opened a door that no man can shut. I don't know what else to say. That's good right there. It's not even 8 o'clock. This is like a heresy, 7.59. We got to at least wait till 8, all right? Hey, um, this, this message tonight and, and from, and from um, Sunday... This, these two messages together, if we take these messages and we run with them and we stop allowing the enemy to whisper words of shame, words of condemnation, come on. I, I want to just tell you this right now. Some of you are reading books and listening to some things that are Christian and come from a Christian label but are teaching you the wrong stuff. And you need to lose, not lose, you need to use your discernment. And if something doesn't sit right, you need to put it down and you need to pick something up that's reinforcing the gospel. Not just what Pastor Dan says, but reinforcing the truth in the finished work of the cross. And if you're reading a book and it's a Christian book and at the end of it, you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I have so much to do and so far to go, it's probably not right. You see, modern theology and modern Christianity is, is this idea. It's like, well, when they get, when the people, the sheep, get a little rambunctious, you know, we'll open the stall up a little bit, let them run around, give them a little taste of freedom, and then we'll corral them and cage them back in. See, Jesus came and he broke the whole corral. He didn't say just go do whatever you want and run wild. What he said was and believed that if you fell in love with who he is and what he's done and you actually begin to understand this, you would live a wild life for him and you wouldn't need that corral to tell you where the safe place was. Does that make sense tonight? So I have so much faith in this message that I actually release you to be free. You're like, well, I, I assumed we were, Pastor Dan. Well, it's not always the case. It's not always the case. But I release you to be free in your exploration of the Word of God. I release you to be free in, in engaging with God 
and understanding who he is and what he's done in your life. And I engage you to be free to run this life for him in a way like you've never imagined. Because if you get this, there is no stopping you. And then what I started this service out earlier about talking about revival, we won't contend for revival. We'll see revival because we'll realize we have revival living inside of us. Does that make sense? Good. Love you guys. Let's pray and let's get out of here, all right? A couple of you a little more eager to get out of here than others, and you will be called into my office, <laughs> for which I will corral you and put you back in the stall. Little sheep, little bad sheepy. All right, Lord, we just thank you for this word tonight. I thank you that it's resurrection every morning, every day that we wake up. There's a resurrection power living on the inside of us. So today as we walk this out, as we absorb it, as we hear this word and from Sunday, God, that you've opened a door that no man can shut. God, as we read even the words of C.S. Lewis here tonight that so poetically put it. God, we realize that there was a moment in time where you declared us righteous. Who are we or anyone else to say otherwise? Because if we've received Jesus as our Savior, as our Christ, as our, as our payment, if we've received him, you have declared us righteous. So tonight, God, I ask that every person here that's discounting and disqualifying themselves, allowing shame and regret to creep up on them and hold them back from being bold to step out in their faith, bold to step out and be free in their journey with you. Lord, I ask that every person that's feeling that tonight will hear the freedom that is in this message, will hear the power that is in the message of a risen Savior, that they will hold up the resurrection as that divine receipt, that living testimony, that they have been justified and they can take their step, uh, their next step out of here, their next step tomorrow morning, uh, living from the abundance of that understanding. So God, tonight we set uh, your people tonight free. We just speak freedom over them, that they would, God, they would love the unlovable. They would heal the sick, God, that they would speak life into hopeless situations, that they would be a light in dark places. We set them free to no longer live scared, live under condemnation, live under regrets. We set them free tonight to be just lighthouses for you across our community. We thank you, God, that you've justified us, that you've called us, you've commissioned us by your spirit. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. see you Sunday. Love you guys. See you then.